0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to New Books Network. I'm Galina Limorenko, Doctoral Candidate in Neuroscience with a focus on biochemistry and molecular biology of neurodegenerative diseases at PFL in Switzerland, and I will be your host today. Today, we'll be talking to Franz De Waal about the new book, Different, Gender Through the Eyes of a Primatologist. With humor, clarity, and compassion, different seeks to broaden the conversation about the human gender dynamics by promoting an inclusive model that embraces differences rather than negating them. Franz, welcome to the show. Thank you. So how are you? How was your week?
1: Uh, it has been a very busy week and, uh, and I still have, you know, I'm promoting my book. So I'm traveling to London, Amsterdam, Brussels, places like that. Yeah.
0: So can you tell us what do you do?
1: I'm a biologist and a primatologist and a professor in psychology at the same time. And uh, I study primates like um, chimpanzees, bonobos, but also monkeys and study their behavior. So normally my research is at a big primate center, the Yuckies Primate Center, which um, has a large colony of chimpanzees. That's where I do a lot of my work. We, we have the chimpanzees outdoors um, outside of the city of Atlanta. So they, uh, they live on, on a grassy field and, and we call them in for or certain cognitive tests with computers, things like that, and then after half an hour or maybe 45 minutes, we send them back to the group that they live in.
0: And how did you get interested in studying primates?
1: Oh, I'm interested in all sorts of animals. Uh, I'm also very interested in fish and in birds, mm. uh, but with the primates, of course, you have the advantage that you the comparison with humans is much easier because we are primates. And um, I've always been fascinated by the intelligence of the primates. They, a, they, they are more intelligent than most animals that you know.
0: And during your career journey, did you have mentors that really inspired you?
1: Yeah, my main professor was um, Jan van Hof, who's a Dutch professor who was a specialist in facial expressions. And even though at that time, you were not allowed to speak of emotions in animals so that was not a <laughs> the, the the real scientists they didn't use that kind of terms mm-hmm. they didn't talk about internal processes like thinking and feeling and planning and consciousness they didn't like to use these terms but my professor um since he worked on facial expressions he was very in tune with uh, the emotional side of animals and of humans, and so he uh, he he was a little bit more liberal in his, his concepts, and uh, I think I've benefited from that because I've I've taken over some of that.
0: And how is your heart? Do you find it to study primates and especially their emotions?
1: Um, the the emotional side we usually study in. By observations. So we look at their social life and and how they express themselves and what they do. Sometimes we have um, computer tasks or uh, experiments where we test these things. So we may test, for example, are, are they willing to share food with somebody else? or how do they react to uh, the distress of another individual? Or how do they react to distress that they see in a video on a computer screen? Uh, And so um, sometimes we measure these things uh, in experiments, but most of the time we we just watch them and see what happens among them.
0: And what would you say to our student listeners and early career researchers?
1: Uh, If they want to be primatologists? Uh, Sure, or any any
0: experience from your career, for example?
1: Yeah, my career, um, I think like all careers, um, it has an unpredictable element. I know that young people often want to plan their career, like uh, in five years, I will be doing this. Um, That kind of thing. I don't think that's really possible. You need to, there's always opportunities that arise, for example, you go to a conference and you meet a certain person who's interested in your work. And if these opportunities arise, you have to be um, uh, ready to, to grasp them because Uh, If you hesitate, um, the the opportunity will pass, it will go to somebody else. Mm. And so my career also, um, uh, there were a few unpredictable elements that happened and I ended up in the US, I I was studying in the Netherlands at the time, I'm Dutch by origin. And so uh, you have to grasp these opportunities if, if they seem the right ones.
0: So your latest book is Different Gender Through the Eyes of a Primatologist. How did you come to writing it?
1: Well, I noticed that if I talk, because I, I, I give a lot of lectures. Before the COVID crisis, I would give, I think, 40 lectures a year to large audiences about my work. And I noticed that if I speak about sex differences, and I mentioned, for example, that males are more violent or Females are more empathic, uh, that people have questions afterwards. People want to hear more about that. They're curious. And I think they're curious because they hear so often in the media that uh, gender differences are constructed. Gender differences are a product of society. Uh, and I think people are a little bit skeptical about that position because they think they are more profound than that, the, the gender differences. And so they want to hear from a biologist, a primatologist, what he thinks about that. They don't necessarily agree with me or they don't necessarily buy all my arguments, but they, they're they certainly curious about it. And and that's the reason I wrote this book is, is I wanted to explain the situation with other primates and and what we see in terms of sex differences in them. And, and also explain that things are a lot more complex than people think. People think it's very simple that the males are aggressive and dominate and the females um, have no say whatsoever in, in society. That's what they think primate society is. And it's it's far more complex than that.
0: All right. So let's dive into your book. And can we start with the the easiest question, I suppose? So what is biological gender and what is biological sex?
1: Well, we usually divide things in sex and gender. Sex is the biological side, which is um, mostly binary. It's not 100% binary, but it's mostly female and male, uh, and is defined by chromosomes, genitals, hormones, the brain the body. So so that's what we usually call sex. Uh, Gender is usually more the cultural side of things. It's like how you are expected to behave, uh, the the norms that we have for how a man acts and how a woman acts and how they dress and how they look and and the sort of uh, customs that they have. So um, gender has more to do with expectations and with social roles. And I divide it usually more between masculine and feminine uh, and everything in between. It's it's an extremely flexible concept. Uh, and, and it's good that we have the two concepts because clearly uh, the, the differences between the two genders is partly biological, but also partly cultural. And so it's very good that we have that distinction uh, which allows us to discuss that a little bit in more detail. So are
0: there similar gender differences and diversities in primates outside of human um, genus if that's correct
1: <laughs> yeah so the, um, uh, I use the word gender also for the other primates N- not just sex of course they have sexes just like we do uh, but um, uh, they, they are very slow in their development they learn a lot of things before they are adult, and a chimpanzee is adult when he's 16. So so there's an enormous amount of time going on before they are adults, and they learn just like humans. They learn a lot from their environment. They, They watch the adults. The males usually watch adult males. The females usually watch adult females like their mother, and they copy their behavior. And so in their case, too, there is a cultural effect Uh, Because people often think what we see in the primates must be instinctive and what we see in humans must be cultural. But it's much more uh, complex than that. In in humans, we see also biology and in in the other primates, we see also culture. Mm. And so uh, the gender concept is applicable to them, uh, maybe less than in our case, but it's certainly uh, environmental effects are very prominent. And and then we look at the differences, of course, and and we, we can see some differences. Uh, between the sexes uh, are universal. We find them in all the primates and in all human societies. Other differences are uh, questionable. They, we often assume, for example, that m- males are more hierarchical than females, but uh, or, or more interested in status than females. Th- there's no good evidence for that, neither for the other primates, I would say, as for us. In, in the other primates, we, we always find female hierarchies There's always an alpha female on top. So so I think that's a nonsense statement, but there are other differences that are universal. Uh, For example, young females are much more interested in infants than young males. Uh, And this is universal in the primates as is universal in human society. And um, males are very interested in mock fighting. Young males, that's a lot what they do, roughhousing with each other. And and that's also true for, for boys versus girls.
0: So uh, is it similar to human society that in primates this uh, difference, these differences are binary or are there more fluidity?
1: Yeah, binary is a loaded term, I would say. And, and it's, everything is statistical. There are certain differences that are pretty absolute. Like for example, the difference in physical strengths between men and women. Is, is so great that there is little overlap. So, so, for example, even the best trained human female athletes, they only reach the average body strength of human men. Uh, so, so some differences are big and, and, and pretty drastic. But most of the differences, almost everything uh, has what we call two belt curves, is that you have two averages that are different. And there's an enormous amount of overlap. It's a bit like men are taller than women, but we all know some women who are taller than most men. And we all know some men who are shorter than most women. Uh, so it's a, it's a statistical thing. And, and I think that's true for almost all the differences that we see. There are always an enormous amount of overlap. And sometimes the differences are really small and, and we make a big deal about them. Uh, so for example, for a long time, people would say men have more mathematical abilities than, than women. Actually, now now that women have the same sort of education as men, a lot of these differences have disappeared. They used to be small, and now they're they're actually evaporating. So that's an interesting thing.
0: So that's a huge cultural uh, um, contribution, basically, to these uh, kind of uh, differences, is it?
1: Well, if people talk about uh, cognitive differences, like intelligence uh, or mathematical ability or that kind of things... There are actually few differences between the sexes, I would say, and and I've worked for all my life with animal intelligence, uh, and not just in the in the primates, also in elephants and some other species. Uh, we don't find sex differences in, in in terms of intelligence. I I'm sure that my colleagues who work on all sorts of animals, if they would find them, they would report them, because it's sort of an interesting detail. Uh, But you you very rarely hear about sex differences in that regard. So I would say this whole story that men are smarter than women, which, of course, the philosophers have told us, male philosophers have told us for hundreds of years, uh, that story doesn't hold up at all.
0: And how do different primate communities differ from one another in this uh, area?
1: Yeah, that's the interesting thing is we, we have two close relatives, chimpanzees and bonobos. They're they're equally close to us. And so they're equally relevant. The chimpanzee is is quite an aggressive species, quite violent, uh, very hierarchical, male dominated, territorial. Um, The bonobo, which is uh, another we're closely related to, is female dominated, much more peaceful, has a lot of sex instead of fighting with each other, is not territorial. And so we have two close relatives who are very different in their behavior. And originally, science loved the chimpanzee. And, And I think that's still the case, is that the anthropologists didn't like the bonobo. The bonobo, you know, the anthropologists have a story of human evolution, which is based on violence and warfare. That's always what they have emphasized. And, and they didn't know what to do with the bonobo. The bonobo was too peaceful for their taste. And so they would try to marginalize the bonobo in the story. But huh. uh, nowadays, there's a lot of people getting very interested in bonobos. And I think, as I said, they're equally relevant. Uh, we, we, we need to consider both of them.
0: And what are key differences between chips and bonobos? Well, they they live in slightly
1: different environments and we think that that has caused them to diverge in their behavior. So chimpanzees, they um, compete with gorillas. They live gorillas in their forest uh, and the gorillas eat the ground vegetation and their forests are not always as rich as the ones that the bonobos live in. And so bonobos can travel in groups more than the chimpanzee. The, the chimpanzee need, chimpanzees need to spread out over the forest to get enough food and bonobos can stick together. And that has allowed the bonobo females to develop their sisterhood. They, they have a very strong sisterhood. Uh, these females are usually not related to each other. So, so it's not they're not really sisters, but they uh, spend a lot of time together. They have sex together. They groom each other uh, and they have a very high level of solidarity against male aggression. Uh, I call it sometimes a, a sort of Bonobo Me Too movement. Like the Bonobos females, they, they don't tolerate male aggression. and um, They travel together uh, and they support each other. And and, uh, the alpha individual in the group is usually a female. It's in captivity always the case. I know many captive groups of bonobos are always led by a female. And in the wild, we now know that also the females tend to dominate the males.
0: And how do these gender differences develop in in these two species? Yeah,
1: I'm not sure how they develop in in terms of you mean uh, in young ones well in the in, in the young ones you see a, a very big difference in behavior uh, as far as the interest in, in infants is concerned so very young females they they love to hold infants uh, if there's a newborn if there's a mother with a newborn in the group she's going to be surrounded by a lot of young females who want to hold her baby And if these young females get a little bit older, they will become the babysitters for that baby. Uh, And and the young males are not really interested in that. And if you give dolls to primates in captivity, it's the females who pick them up. It's not the males, it's the females who pick them up and hold them against their belly or on their back. Uh, They carry them around. They're very gentle with these dolls. In in the wild, we know that chimpanzee females, young females, they pick up wooden logs and rocks sometimes that they carry on their back and on their belly or build a nest for. So um, that's a general interest in, in dolls and infants, which is greater in in young females than in males. So that's an early difference. And another early difference that we see is the tendency of young males to mock fight all the time. We call it rough and tumble play. So in all the primates, not just in the apes, uh, all the 200 primate species, young males wrestle a lot more with each other than young females. And in all human societies where this has been studied, boys wrestle more with each other than girls. And so this is a, a universal difference in all the primates which means that it's likely a biological difference between the two.
0: And how do you come across the exceptions to this quote-unquote rule?
1: Yeah, there are always exceptions. As I said, these these differences between the sexes are sort of averages with sometimes overlapping areas. And sometimes you have uh, individuals who deviate from the norm, of course. Uh, And and we haven't paid a lot of attention to that. I think in primatology, a bit the same as in human society, we always go for the typical. We say, that's a typical male or that's a typical female. Uh, And some some males and some females are not typical. So uh, I knew, for example, a chimpanzee female uh, since very young. Donna was her name, who already at the age of three, like to wrestle like males. So so, uh, she hung out with males. She would invite adult males. She was very little at the time. Uh, She would invite adult males to play with her. uh, And the males responded to her, which they normally the adult males are more interested in mock fighting with males than with females. So um, already at a very early age, she was different from the rest. And then when she grew older, uh, in adolescence, uh, you know, after the age of 10 or something, that's adolescence in, in the female chimpanzee. Uh, she um, grew more and more into a male-like character. She, she, she got the big hands and the big head and, the, and a lot of hair. Uh, chimpanzee males, males have more hair than females. Uh, and so she started to look like a male. And, and she would hang out with the males and associate with them. Uh so I, I cannot ask her about her identity, of course, but um, she, she acted more like a male. And, and I think this kind of exceptions occurs. I, I've also known males, male chimpanzees, who, uh, who don't act like uh, the, the, they're big males, sometimes physically very strong but they're not interested in male politics and in in being the dominant male and they they stay out of all these things. And and so you have individuals who don't fit the mold and I find them very interesting and intriguing. Uh, They are completely accepted. I've never noticed that these individuals have trouble in the society, Um, but we we have little uh, systematic research I think to a large degree because uh, in primatology, we have focused on typical behavior.
0: Oh, fascinating. It's the whole area to discover now, isn't it?
1: Yeah, there's always exceptions. Another thing that people don't always realize is that homosexual behaviors are actually quite common in the primates. So, so sometimes you hear people say homosexual behavior is not natural. Uh, of course, people who say that are people who are uh, against uh, gays and lesbians uh, generally. But um, I don't know where that story comes from. It's not natural. It's a, it's a very common behavior. And in some species, like in the bonobo, uh, half the sex that is going on is probably homosexual sex. I mean, it's it's an enormous amount. Uh, and, but in other species, it's maybe the minority, but it does occur. And so um, uh, homosexual behavior is, is found in all the primates to some degree.
0: So what, what kind of purpose uh, does this differentiation into genders uh, serve uh, these communities? Of course, uh, it's all relative terms. Uh, evolution doesn't have uh, the end purpose, but uh, what uh, in the end is sort of it contributes to.
1: Well, they, they do have sexes, of course, and, and the sexes are necessary for reproduction. We are a sexually reproducing species. And and genders are associated with that. Uh, I I think if we were not sexually reproducing, uh, 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 the alternative is cloning. Cloning means that you uh, divide yourself. (laughs) So I I would cut off a part of myself and and it would grow into another human being. That's cloning. Uh, And and cloning would mean that we humans, we would be all the same. We would all look the same. we would not need genitals. We would not need males and females. Uh, we would not need hormonal differences between certain individuals. Um, and I think under those circumstances, which are hypothetical, of course, uh, we would not have invented genders. No one would have come at the idea of that we need different genders. So, so the, the reason we have different genders is because we have two sexes, or mostly two sexes. And um, that's related to our biology. Our biology is sexually reproducing and that's the biology is a very successful system, sexual reproduction. uh, And that's why it's found it's billions of years old and it's found in many animals, but also in many plants. Uh, So it's, it's it's a superior way of reproducing yourself.
0: So then coming to humans, when do we know we start manifesting the differences in gender? You mean at what age? Um, More like in history. So of course, we know that there are differences in sexes, but when did we start sort of stratifying our communities into people of different genders?
1: Yeah, I don't know. You're, you're talking to a primatologist, not to a historian here. So um, I don't know when that got started. I think we always have had, of course, of course, we've always had two sexes. And and I think we've always had expectations about them. And society is different in that regard. That's why uh, it's really cultural. It changes over time. And it, it changes from society to society. And then I'm sure when we moved from hunter gathering where the men did most of the hunting and the women did most of the gathering of fruits and vegetables when we moved from there to agriculture uh, I'm sure we we have changed uh, gender roles and we have changed gender expectations. We've changed the the inheritance system, m- mostly inheritance through the male line. And, and some say that the patriarchy originated in that time because uh, males made sure that they uh, their offspring would would get what they had to offer. Um, so, so, but I, you know, you're not talking to a historian. that's, that's not really my field.
0: And then, looking at our development, so in our age, when do we start manifesting these differences
1: you mean uh, the age of of individuals yes the babies mm-hmm. yeah i think I think very very early on there was uh, the, the, well there were this, there are several studies of uh children. Uh, young children, one-year-old, two-year-old, or sometimes even younger than one-year-old, looking at pictures um, and boys looking more at pictures of, of cars and <laughs> automobiles and and girls looking more at pictures of dolls or social scenes. Uh, girls in general being more socially interested and, and boys generally being more object interested. So that starts up. Very early, it seems. Um, other differences that we often assume have not been found. So, for example, the color scheme—pink uh, for pink for girls and blue for boys—that has not been found at an early age. That comes much later, and we now think that that's completely culturally constructed. Is that the the toy businesses and the clothing businesses? They have created this distinction between pink and blue, and uh, it has very little to do with human biology or uh, early preferences. So so some of the differences we create, and they are meaningless, actually, and others we can test uh, and and find very early. Um, But the difference that I mentioned before between uh, girls being more interested in infants and boys being more interested in wrestling and housing um, that's something that we find in all the primates and in all human societies and that comes up quite early also
0: so how easy is it to disentangle what are the cultural contributors to gender and biological contributors to like sex biological sex
1: yeah it's almost impossible it's uh, like everything nature versus nurture uh, you cannot tease them apart uh, you can only have some sort of indications if if something is found everywhere in all the primates and all humans. It's fairly likely, uh, likely that biology is involved. That doesn't mean that culture has no effect. Culture has an effect on everything. Uh, and so um, the, there are ways of Getting at this question. Uh, If something is extremely variable, on the other hand, uh, and and you find it in some species and not in other species. So, for example, uh, if you take male dominance, male dominance over females, um, people sometimes will say that that's the natural order. The natural order is that males dominate females. Uh, but if you look at our closest relatives and you have two such different species, bonobos and chimpanzees, and, and in one we find male dominance and the other one we find female dominance, that already shows you that it's not so simple. And, and I also would say that you need to distinguish physical dominance from power. So even in the chimpanzee where the males are physically dominant, you have sometimes females and my, my previous book was called Mama's Last Hug and was about Mama, the chimpanzee, alpha female. You sometimes have females with an enormous amount of power, females who decide basically everything in the group. So females who, who may even decide which male is going to be the alpha male. And uh, so, so you need to make distinctions. And then you find that, um, that there's great variability between societies. Uh, so, so nothing is simple, really, uh, that, that's a bit. the message of my book is a little bit like uh, people think that if you look at the primates, you see the biology of, of the two sexes and actually what you see is a much more complex picture that, that shows you that this whole gender debate, it needs you, we need to include biology, but uh, it's very hard to disentangle things
0: why do you think we're so prone to trying to boil it all down to simplest terms and not embrace this, this uh, complexity?
1: Yeah, I think some people are, are ready to embrace the complexity and some people are ready to embrace the diversity of genders. You know, the, all, all the orientations and identifications and variations that we find. People, some people are open to that. I think the younger people more than the older people in general. Um, but yeah, some people some people want a very simplistic picture. And we, we have, for example, in the US, we have politicians, conservative politicians who say such things as like, there are men, there are women, and that's all there is. And who also uh, feel that men love women and women love men, but... Um, uh, if, if, if you have love within the gender, uh, they, they don't understand that. So, so yeah, some people want a simplistic picture and try to sell that to us as that's how biology is. That's how we naturally are. And uh, part of my task in the book is to disabuse people from that notion. I think in the other prime, it's nothing as simple either. <laughs> and so uh, uh, I want to present a complex picture of it. Uh, Even though I do recognize some universal differences between the sexes, uh, there's also a lot of uh, variability going on.
0: Yeah, this case of uh, chimps and bonobos is very peculiar to me because there's just such different communities being primates. And as humans, we pick a few things that we find the most relevant to us and then neglect the rest of it.
1: Yeah, we humans, we are very good at wishful thinking. And so... uh, generally women love bonobos and men love the chimpanzee. Uh, a a men can get very upset if they hear about bonobos. So, so I, I've given lectures on bonobos and uh, sometimes then men would say what is wrong with those bonobo males they they, they don't understand how it is possible that uh, they are dominated by females uh, and so people project their own preferences on these primates and they prefer certain things that they do and they ignore other things that they do um i think from the from the perspective of a biologist that's all nonsense we try to look at these animals without too much judgment and we we try to just describe what they do, um, and um, I don't think we need to try to be like bonobos or we need to try to be like chimpanzees. We are, after all, a different species. And, and the main difference in our species socially is that we have nuclear families. So, so in chimpanzees and bonobos, the males don't do much for infant care. Uh, in uh, in our societies, of course, we evolved nuclear families, meaning that males got involved in the care for offspring. And as a result of this male involvement, we could reduce the interbirth intervals. So, so uh, humans get usually um, babies every two years or three years or four years. Um, in, in, the, in simple season, but course that's not possible. They have babies every six years because a female, since she's doing everything on her own and travels through the forest, she cannot have a lot of kids. and so she she has very few uh, children. And um, we have speeded up reproduction because of male involvement. and as a result, we are now eight billion people on the planet. So, so it's, it's a mixed blessing really for us, uh, but that's our situation.
0: So is, is this kind of way of having families as a nuclear family, is it mostly cultural? Um, <laughs> I don't know, the, um, the reason is the culture of humans that they are able to maintain themselves in, in the environment they find themselves in?
1: Now, we, since all humans have nuclear families, even though the, the, the shape of the family changes, of course, so many of them are monogamous, male, female children, uh, but not all of them are. Uh, but all in all human societies, we find that men are involved in care for offspring, mm. uh, sometimes very closely, sometimes not so closely, but they're always involved somehow. And so that's a, a human characteristic that we find all across the world. So, so that's part of human uh, evolved biology.
0: So, you already touched up a little bit on this, but what are the important limitations of us trying to moralize, perhaps, the behaviors of different genders in primates and trying to take up and project them onto human society?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think we should project them on human society. I think we humans are, are a separate species, and and so we have some differences, uh, some some of them quite substantial. Uh, for example, um, we have language, uh, which the, the other apes don't have. Um, so uh, we are a special primate, and and I would not say that we take them the apes as an example of how we should behave, but. We take the apes as informing us, they inform us about the the variability that is possible biologically, and biology is actually quite a bit more flexible than people think, Uh, and and, uh, people have a sort of very rigid view of how biology should be, but biology uh, lives with individual variability. If you go into a forest and you look at two trees of the same species, they're not going to be similar. They're going to be... quite different sometimes and and we in biology we're very used to individual variability it's everywhere and and it's the driver of evolution evolution actually and so um to find individual variability in human society or in primate societies is not something that surprises the biologist but people do want to have a simplistic view where All the males act like this and all the females act like that. And they they like to have that kind of uh, vision of of, uh, other other species.
0: So how does the biology get intertwined with people's beliefs and also morals?
1: Yeah, I think biology is always involved. You cannot get around biology. Mm. People have sometimes tried that, of course. For example, um, the kibbutz in Israel, they try to get around the mother-child bond. The mother-child bond in mammals is 200 million years old. We are basically pre-programmed chemically, neurologically, physiologically for the mother-child bond. We, We have special hormones for that, like oxytocin. We have special features for that, like breasts and lactation. So so, so we are a species like all the mammals, where females are pre-programmed to bond Mm. with offspring and protect them. Uh, And in the kibbutz in Israel, at some point they decided to create kibbutz where children would be taken away from their families and moved to some sort of um, collective area. And that's where they would be raised. And they stopped doing that after I think 10 or 20 years, they stopped doing it because the people were extremely unhappy. The parents were very unhappy that their children were away from the home. They, they said such changes like, I want them to sleep next, next to me and I want them to sleep in a room where I can visit them. And so um, the mother child bond is one of these biological features that you, you cannot just ignore. And, and I think this is true for biology in general. You cannot act as if biology doesn't exist. It, it limits what you can do. Um, even though we are a very flexible species, and so so there's a lot of flexibility possible. There's certain things um, we need to respect.
0: So where do you think we go from here?
1: Yeah. Um, <sighs> You mean how the gender relations will develop? Yeah, well, what, what's it, your the, feeling? It, well, I think um, there's a lot of movement at the moment. Uh, a, a lot of discussion, of course, of gender diversity and how we need to be more open-minded about it. So in that regard, I think I see a lot of positive developments. Um, if If you look at the history of the gender debate, I think one very... Prominent influence was the pill. When the pill came in the 50s and 60s, that liberated a lot of the discussion because all of a sudden women didn't need to have 10 kids anymore. They they could choose to have no children or they could choose to have just two children. So it, it completely changed everything. And, and, and I, I should remind you that the pill is a biological invention. It's, it's not a cultural mm. one. It's it comes out of medicine and it's it's it taps into human biology and it it changed the whole debate about gender. And a second development, I think was uh when the after the world wars um uh, that men were not required anymore to be in the army so so 100 years ago um men especially in europe they would be recruited into armies and and half of them would be killed in the wars That was terrible uh, so so uh, the discussion about male privilege in society there's a lot of discussion about that could only occur after these wars were over because before that time, there was not a lot of male privilege. Being a man was actually a liability. You you could get killed very easily. And so now, unfortunately, we have a war in Europe. And so a war is coming, war is coming back. Actually. I I never had believed that that would happen, but uh, we should, Remember that men are at a big disadvantage during those periods of time. And you can see that actually in Ukraine, you can see that men cannot go on the street or, or, or sit in a bus and, and drive out of the country. It's impossible. They will get, all get killed if that happens. And so men have a, a tough time um, during the uh, which they cause themselves. It's, it's men who cause wars and men who fight wars. But um, it's a terrible time. And so those are two influences in the gender debate. I think the pill and the the more peaceful times that we entered that have changed the gender debate and have made it possible to have a discussion about uh, greater equality between the sexes, which I think we should have as a discussion. Uh, And then at the moment we have this openness to uh, gender diversity that is coming up, that you see reflected in the popular culture, that you see reflected in how uh, young people talk about gender uh, and I think it's it's again going to change the picture of everything.
0: So then thinking about the bigger picture, are you optimistic that we as a community will be able to reach that equitable goal of our society? Um, especially, as you mentioned, the younger people t- tend to be a bit more open. But then on the other hand, we, we can see quite a lot of divide in opinion.
1: Yeah, I think what's happening is also that we accept female leadership more. Um, there is of course, always the story that men make better leaders than women. Uh, I, From a primate perspective, I, I don't know where that comes from because in all the primates, we find female leaders. We find alpha females. They may not dominate physically the males, but that doesn't mean that they are not leaders Mm. in their society. And so we are seeing that coming up. And in that sense, I'm optimistic Um, in terms of household tasks and and family uh, obligations. I think there's a shift going on with men getting more involved than than they were before. what i would like to see but you know i'm not an economist and i don't know how realistic that is but i i think we should have an economy that values household work maybe 40 percent of all the labor in a society is labor related to the house and the children and uh, we we act in our economy as if it doesn't occur We, we don't value it at all in our economy and i think that needs to to change and that will also if that happens it will also create a, a greater gender equality, I think. So, so we have a lot of projects to do before we um, we are there. And and in addition, we have conservative forces who actually want to drag us back to times that we seem to have passed. And so uh, it's a constant fight basically if you want uh, gender equality.
0: Oh yeah, you're absolutely right. And perhaps pandemic also shed some light on, on these issues. And especially when it comes to uh, care Uh, duties and nursing and with our aging society perhaps we should really pay attention
1: well the the COVID crisis has also um, resulted in people being locked up at home for for 18 months and domestic violence went up during that period And, and I think the domestic violence in human society mostly men against women but sometimes the other way around um, it is related partly to us living in separate dwellings. We have our own houses for a family, usually man, woman, children. Uh, and that creates an opportunity for men to, to control women and to be aggressive with them and, and abusive. More so than in the other primates. So, for example, rape... People often ask about rape, thinking that maybe um, it is common in the primates. It's extremely rare in the primates. Rape is more common in human society than in other primates. For example, in bonobos, it's an impossibility. The females dominate and. It would never happen in bonobos. In chimpanzees, it's extremely rare behavior. It's very unusual. So, so males intimidating females or being abusive. That happens. But rape is really not the behavior that is typical of the chimpanzee. And so, um, yes, the COVID crisis has changed things. Sometimes for the better, with, with men being more involved in family life. But also, it has increased domestic abuse in, in certain parts of the world.
0: And what discoveries in your research and your journey to writing your book different surprised you the most?
1: Well, in writing the book, I I realized that I know quite a few individuals who are different from the rest. And and I had, like all the primatologists, I'd sort of ignore that and uh, we overlook, we know it exists, but we sort of overlook it. Uh, and, and so I got more intrigued by that. And, and I think we should do more research on that. Um, I recently read a paper on chimpanzees in the wild, that described quite, quite a bit of homosexual behavior. I think that was the first paper to describe it because we, we know it happens in captivity, but this was the first one to describe it for wild chimpanzees. And I think we should start paying more attention to these things. And uh, so that's the thing maybe that I learned for myself in the book is that we we have been uh, neglecting certain, certain areas of the gender differences.
0: And um, what is the day of primatologist look like? So do you go into the forests or do you study them in captivity mostly?
1: I work in captivity. I, I do have students or collaborators who work in the wild. Uh, but I myself, I work in captivity usually with large groups. So I don't like... Uh, Because primates are very social beings, I don't like them sitting in a a small cage alone. So I work usually with uh, groups of 20, 30, 40 animals in a large open space. Uh, and uh, also do experiments where we uh, we we call the animals we call the chimps in by name. They, they know they know their names and they know even each other's names. You you can ask one chimpanzee to get you another one. <laughs> so um, they have names and you call them in, and, and they are very eager to come in because they like to play with the computers that we have, just like children. They're very eager to do uh, to, to these interactive games on the computer. And um, we do tests, uh, for example, tests of tool use or food sharing, or um, face recognition of that kind of things. Uh, And then we send them out again. And so that's that kind of research takes an enormous amount of patience and time and good relations with the animals because they only will perform well if they feel comfortable and so um that's basically the the days that we have and we do on top of that we do a lot of observations we we just watch the group of of primates and see how they behave
0: so is it the case that um, you're kind of learning new things about them all the time when you observe
1: Oh, yeah, there's, there's always surprising events. And, uh, and there's always experiments that no one has done before and that we need to develop. And, and it sometimes takes, you know, to do the right experiment on them. takes like three years to, to develop and conduct it. And, that, and then you need to, another part of the task is, of course, to analyze your data. Because we always work with uh, quantified data. Uh, and then to to write up papers that you publish in journals, and uh, to to get these papers accepted by your peers, so, so it's an enormous process, and and for students, it takes an enormous amount of time to learn uh, the ropes and to learn how to do do this. Um, and um, I think for the students, the most important part is to really be interested in animals. If you if, if you're not really interested in, in them and working with them and seeing them every day or if you sometimes that happens if you have students who, who can't stand the smell of animals or um, they can't stand the occasional aggression that they show, um, then it's not really a job for you. It's, it requires people who really love to work with them.
0: Well, this has been a truly fascinating discussion. So what are you currently working on and what will be your next project?
1: I don't know what will be the next, but I'm currently uh, mostly involved in promoting uh, this book, which is entitled Different and which uh, is coming out, I think, in, in about 20 languages. And so I need to go to Italy and... Paris and Germany and Japan to promote the mm-hmm. book. So that keeps me very busy to give lectures and to speak to to journalists. Uh, and after that, yeah, I'm sure there will be some sort of postnatal um, depression when I'm through all this. And that's probably the moment I start to think about a new project. Uh, and I don't know what that will be yet. Uh, I, I have several topics in mind, but I don't know which one I will pick, you know.
0: Hope you can carve out some time to take a break and uh, look around the countries that you're visiting.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, yeah.
0: And what would be the best way for our listeners to find more information about your work and also your book?
1: Well, my work, sometimes they could find me on Facebook. I have a, a, a Facebook page with three-quarter of a million people on it. And it's called Franz De Waal Public Page. Where I usually put little videos and and photographs, uh, and then and, and also announce when I I give lectures and things like that. Uh, and for the book, I think people just any bookstore will have in the languages that are out will have the book. Uh, and otherwise, of course, online there there are certain people, who, certain um, uh, businesses that sell books, and and that's also where you can find it.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Alina.